Hello, friends. Welcome to the tenth episode of the Schoolyard Podcast, brought to you by School Specialty. I'm your host Nancy Chung, a fun-loving teacher and content creator, also known as Fancy Nancy and Fifth on social media, and I'm thrilled that you're here. A special shout out to School Specialty, who offers essential educational supplies and complete learning environment solutions to help you transform more than classrooms. And now, School Specialty offers the world's leading multi-sensory experience brand Snoozeland, plus a vast assortment of other proven products and a team of experts to tailor solutions to your unique needs. This is the Schoolyard Podcast, a podcast by educators for educators, where the magic of learning unfolds. The teacher shortage problem across the nation is indeed a pressing issue. Many schools are struggling to find qualified teachers, leading to larger class sizes and increased workload for existing teachers. This, in turn, contributes to teacher burnout. In this episode, Dr. Richard Warren and I will be discussing the teacher burnout and teacher shortages across the nation and brainstorm some possible solutions. Dr. Richard Warren Jr. is an award-winning educator, renowned speaker, and dynamic professor. He is the 2019 Maryland State Teacher of the Year, Samsung's Solve for Tomorrow's State Finalist, and appointed as Chair of Education Executive Policy for the Governor of Maryland. Dr. Warren currently serves as a professor of education at UMES, preparing future teachers to take on the next generation of students. Welcome to the schoolyard, Dr. Warren. It's so good to have you here. Thank you for having me, Nancy, and I appreciate being on the Schoolyard Podcast. Would you tell us a little bit about yourself and what your current role is in education? Well, first, my name is Dr. Richard Warren. I come into this space um, with the notion of we are stronger together and that equity and diversity strengthen schools and helps improve our teaching workforce. And I also come into this space acknowledging my greatest teacher and my first teacher, who was my mother. But her lessons and things that uh, that she instilled in me uh, continues to live on today. Um, my role is a professor of education at the University of Maryland Eastern Shore, and I work with the next generation uh, of teachers, preparing them, equipping them to go out in the field to make a difference. And I also lead an initiative that recruits black and brown students into the field. Outside of that, um, I'm a father, a husband, and I have two beautiful boys. And what are their ages? Uh, Little Richie is seven and Riley is two. Oh, seven and two. Very cute ages. Okay, so I'm going to ask you to put on the hat of not just the educator, but a father as well. Now, Dr. Warren, I've had the pleasure of hearing you speak at many conferences, and you touch the hearts of so many educators with keynote titles such as Courageous Teaching and This Is Why We Stay. I know there's always a long line of teachers wanting to talk to you afterwards, and, and you get approached by teachers sharing firsthand about teacher burnout. What are you hearing from these teachers? Yeah, that's an incredible question. Um, I hear all the time uh, a few things that I'll highlight. Um, number one is that um, they're getting added roles, added responsibilities, mm -hmm. um, additional class sizes, uh, additional classes, larger class sizes. And I want to say like they they come to me and say, hey, doc, in a sense, it's hard for educators to work wonders when they're faced with heavy workloads. Mm -hmm. Right. And mm -hmm. so the increase in planning, grading, administrative tasks, dealing with diverse needs of students, all contribute to longer work hours mm -hmm. and limited personal time. And so I'm hearing like the workload is more than what they could handle in the moment. Mm -hmm. I'm also hearing like 
it's an emotional toll um, just in general as being a teacher. Like it can be mm-hmm. taxing, especially when dealing with students, you know, social, emotional well-being, mm-hmm. uh, behavioral issues, uh, complex family and neighborhood situations. And I genuinely hear like, you know, that they want to prepare their students for the future, but mm-hmm. they are battling compassion fatigue. Mm-hmm. Like they care so much about fatigue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They care so much about increasing their students' social and academic health mm-hmm. that inadvertently it decreases their own. Oh, right. And so, mm-hmm. you know, those are two of the top major things that I'm hearing, just like the emotional toll that it's taking and just being, mm-hmm. you know, overworked and that taken away from their time to actually take care of themselves. Yes, you're absolutely right. When teachers aren't able to take care of themselves and can't take it anymore, they have no choice but to quit. Teacher quit talk, like on TikTok and social media, is becoming more and more common, causing teacher shortages in so many states. However, in states like California, where I am, we have so many teachers who can't find jobs. Why do you think that is? Is it because teachers are paid a little bit more here? Are they treated a little better than in other states? Yeah, I hear all the time, especially, you know, particularly on this eastern shore region, it's rural. Um, But like the teacher shortage, Mm -hmm. there's so many different variables that contribute to the teacher shortage. You have demographic trends, like you said, where Mm -hmm. you are, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not enough jobs or the jobs aren't where I am. It's not enough teachers Mm -hmm. in the pool. But one thing I know for sure, Mm -hmm. cannot uh, treat our teachers wrong and expect them to teach our kids right. So a lot of the things that a lot of the things that deal with, um, you know, teacher shortage is, you know, what are the working conditions that we're putting our teachers in? Mm -hmm. If the working conditions are conducive, you'll have Mm -hmm. teachers who come into the profession and stay Mm -hmm. just like Mm -hmm. in your district or in your area. Like the working conditions Mm -hmm. are or Mm -hmm. they are conducive for teachers who actually want to stay in the profession. Right. And Mm -hmm. that's why there there are not many vacancies because teachers actually want to work there. Right. Mm-hmm. Versus, you know, other school districts where they might not want to work there. I, I think I think that's important to highlight. Right. All right, Dr. Warren, I know we don't have the perfect answer and the perfect solution yet, but what do you think can prevent teacher shortage? Yeah. Um, some of the ways that we can prevent teacher shortage is making sure that we have competitive compensation, that mm-hmm. teachers are honored and they feel value for their work. Um, I truly believe that the teaching profession is the profession that trains and teaches all other professions. And so we should be valued as such Mm -hmm. um, that we have a unique perspective and that we are pretty much the foundation for all the other things that are happening in the world. I would even argue to say mentorship programs. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. One of my research talks about, you know, how do we make sure we actually provide the appropriate mentorship and not just a drive by, hey, how you doing? Or, hey, this is what you should be doing. But actual mentorship where that person can genuinely get all the things that they need, have the mm-hmm. appropriate time, be matched mm-hmm. with a person of similar content, but also of similar character. Mm, yes, that's a fabulous idea. We can definitely use the accountability and the support and feeling like someone is in our corner. All right. Where can we sign up? Okay. So I don't think anyone went into teaching for the money or thinking it's going to be a piece of cake, but I don't think people really know all the hard work and soul teachers put in, unless you're a teacher or married to one, right? But all the hours we put into planning, teaching, 
grading and the physical and mental exhaustion would be so much worthwhile if we felt valued and appreciated, don't you think? Yeah. Dr. Warren, I've heard you speak on numerous occasions, and one of my favorite keynote speeches you've done is titled, This Is Why We Stay. I wish everyone can hear you speak in person, but for now, would you please tell us like the main key point of that inspirational speech? Yeah, um, I, I can do two reasons why. and um, I always highlight why I stay um, by highlighting those who I serve, and those are my students. Um, I have two students. Um, <laughs> I had two students back in the eighth grade a few years ago, um, and I called them my pluck plucks. Um, the students who pluck your nerves, like the students who do everything opposite of what you ask them to do. The students who give you a run for run for your money <laughs> to like mm-hmm. make you pull your hair out. Uh-huh. <laughs> and and, uh-huh. and um, on, on this particular day, um, we were learning about heat transfer, radiation, convection and conduction. I taught science, eighth grade STEM for over a decade. And I said, you know what? Everything that I'm doing right now is not working for these gentlemen. And I got to do something different. So I said, "Okay, I want you all to demonstrate that you have learned this concept in whatever way you want. It can be a PowerPoint presentation. It could be a podcast. It can be a skit. It can be a dance. uh, Whatever you want. Just I just want you to show me that you've understand the concept. And so Mm -hmm. all the students started breaking out and uh, in groups and working on their ideas. And I saw these two students and they were on YouTube Mm -hmm. and I creeped up behind them. And I saw that they were listening to a rap song on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, they weren't supposed to be on YouTube. And, you know, as a teacher, you got you to know everything that's going on in your class. So I snuck mm-hmm. up behind them. They were on YouTube. <laughs> uh-huh. doing? And then one of the students was like, um, oh, oh, I'm listening to a song. And then the other student was like, oh, Dr. Warren, he can rap. He got bars. He got bars. He can rap. And I was like, <laughs> He's like yeah. And I was like, well, you should create a rap song. He was like, for uh-huh. real? <laughs> uh-huh. Create a rap song mm-hmm. and let me know that you have understood the concept of heat transfer. Mm. So it was like, all right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so they created a song and it was time for presentation day. Mm-hmm. And when they got up in front of the class, something amazing happened. Mm-hmm. The students who were once laughing at them mm-hmm. were now celebrating with them. Wow. And I saw those two students come alive in a way mm-hmm. I never seen them come alive before. Mm-hmm. And it was in that moment when I realized like that I still had um, an opportunity to make a difference in those, those students' lives. And those students end up organizing an event in the community that I held called Activate, um, which is a, a youth night designed to reduce risky behaviors. They do games, giveaway, and a little lesson on character building. They mm-hmm. organized their whole school it was mm-hmm. like three or four buses to come to the community event. And, wow, at, uh-huh. and at that event, they performed the rap song. Wow, <laughs> that they wrote in that class? <laughs> they wrote in the class. Wow. And it, like just to see everybody like celebrate them and just mm-hmm. like to see like the confidence begin to brew mm-hmm. was amazing. And those students ended up um, completing the class um, with the highest GPAs in the class that year. Wow, wow. And, mm-hmm. and one of the students... Um, what did my program mm-hmm. and is now at the university to become mm-hmm. a teacher. And wow. so, and so one of the reasons why we stay mm-hmm. is for that type of change mm-hmm. to see the transformation that happens in our students and for them to come back and say, you know what, Dr. Warren, I thank you. Thank you mm-hmm. for seeing me. Thank you for 
for, for acknowledging it. Thank you for being flexible enough to create a space for me to come alive. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the ways. And then another reason why I stay, um, I share with you all, you know, in, in 2020, I lost my mother mm-hmm. right from COVID. And while I was planning for my mother's funeral, I lost one of my twin babies. Right. Mm-hmm. And the day of my mom's funeral, my grandmother passes away. Mm. So within a three week span, wow. mm-hmm. I lost some of the the most important people in my life. Right. Um, mm. so and, but one of the things that kept me in the profession when that all happened was my colleagues. They mm-hmm. sent me flowers, mm-hmm. gifts, all types of like things that I didn't ask for. They, mm-hmm. they found my address and my family's address. They sent food and made sure my family didn't have to worry about like eating. Mm-hmm. Um, made sure that like I didn't have to worry. We didn't have to. Worry. My mom had they had insurance, but I, they still sent money to make sure like everything was fine. Like I got so many check-in calls, so wow. much support mm-hmm. from them. And it was in that moment that I realized like we stay for each mm-hmm. other for that teacher that's across the hall that needs mm-hmm. support for that teacher mm-hmm. who's down and needs uplifting for that teacher who's co-planning with you and in the trenches with you and encouraging mm-hmm. we stay when we uplift each other and mm-hmm. when we have good camaraderie amongst our colleagues that community is so important those are two of the reasons why we stay we stay mm-hmm. for that change and for that transformation to happen mm-hmm. and for the investment to come back but we also stay for our colleagues like those mm-hmm. are two of the main reasons that are mm-hmm. beyond the financial implications of why we stay you know, like seriously, teachers are one of the most compassionate people I know. Like my colleagues, whenever there's any anything that goes on in our personal lives or in our classrooms, we're the first to like laugh with each other, cry with each other and be there for one another. And we have, you know, we have the saying in our school, like our the initials for our school are OH. And so we kind of of built built on that so we call ourselves ohana because we always say ohana means family and we really are a school family and we are there for one another and so like i love that and i feel like if we we have that family type of an environment in our schools less teachers will drop out because we don't want to be like leaving the family right and uh, and yeah and going back to the student that you talked about like rapping you know, mm-hmm. like you know, him becoming a teacher, I can guarantee that one of his first assignments for his students will be to write a rap song <laughs> with the content right. that he's teaching, right? right. Write a rap song. <laughs> yeah. Right. I love I think, that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think um I think that's so important. Um and I think it I think culture beats compensation mm-hmm. any day. In terms of time. culture culture beats compensation beats any day. Compensa- oh wow. Not enough money that you can put on. Mm-hmm. people who support you and who are in your corner. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I want to thank you because, you know, even through all of your hardships, it would have been so much easier to just walk away and to, you know, kind of give up a lot of the things that you were, you were involved with. But I, I feel like you're using that to inspire so many teachers and so many um, people in education and, um, and I want to thank you for that, for sharing your personal story and really um, encouraging us to be there for one another and to uh, not give up in those tough times. Yeah. Um, so thank you for that. Whew, I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> see, this is why you make me cry. Every time I listen to you, you have you have <laughs> you have so many of these like powerful stories that really touch touch people's heart. Um, 
Ooh, okay. What are your hopes for your students as they move on to become educators? My hope for students when they become future educators is to be able to look at a student and hyper-see. Like, I want them to be able to look at every student and hyper-see, meaning I want them to look at them and imagine what each and every student can be. Mm, Like their potential? Their potential. Mm -hmm. And I want them to remember that as they're navigating that space. I want my students to be equitable. I want them to make sure that they give students exactly what they need in order to thrive and in order to fulfill their academic and social potential. I want them to create a safe space where they build relationships with their students and their families. Mm -hmm. And so that it can be an organic process as they matriculate through their schooling. I want my students to, to realize that one of the most powerful things you can do is teach a child well. I want my students to realize that they are revolutionaries and that when they show up in the classroom, they can literally change generational trends and chart pathways for students or open their eyes to pathways uh, that students will never even imagine or dream. I want my students to show up in a space with creativity and innovation, knowing that the world is constantly evolving and that they have to embrace all of it. I want my students to show up to be resilient, knowing that this profession is not easy and that there will be tough times. But I want them to know that they can do hard things, that they can persevere and that they can, with the support of others, make it in this teaching profession. My first year of teaching. I got to go back to my first year of teaching. Mm-hmm. My first year of teaching, I would come into the class. I would teach the class. I would come home, lesson plan, grade papers, go to sleep, wake up, go in, teach the class, come home, lesson plan, grades paper, go to mm-hmm. sleep. Now, that would be it. I was one step ahead of my students. Mm-hmm. It was my first year. I got a new, like I knew science, but it was a new textbook. You know, mm-hmm. like it's a, it's a whole process of learning. Mm-hmm. a And so right. I would do that every day. Mm-hmm. And like, I was burnt out. Like I, I, it wasn't that I didn't like teaching and I was, I was pressing my way through. Mm-hmm. I was not healthy. And I think being on the hamster's wheel, right? The constant yeah, like turning, turning, turning. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes like just because we're resilient, it doesn't mean that we're emotionally right. And so there's mm-hmm. an avenue where we mm-hmm. have to say, okay, I'm going to keep going. But I'm going to acknowledge how I feel, where my health is in this moment, right? I'm not going to be a mortar and kill myself mm-hmm. doing what I love to do. Mm-hmm. Instead, I'm going to make sure that I can proactively manage when I feel burned out mm-hmm. and I can manage, you know, my well-being. And so some of the things that I learned to do through mentorship, my mentor telling me, mm-hmm. like, set boundaries, <laughs> set professional boundaries. Like, wow. mm-hmm. I'm, going to, I'm going to come in. Maybe an hour early. This is what I did. I can't. I said, I'm going to come in an hour early before school and I'm going to stay an hour late. And once I leave school, I'm mm-hmm. leaving my work at school. Mm-hmm. Right. That was a professional boundary that I had to set. That's I so said, hard. I say I that know, too, but it's so hard. It's so hard. It's so hard. But once I got into a good rhythm, I was like, okay, uh-huh. I can do this in the hour and then I can do this in the hour mm-hmm. and I got to leave what I need to leave home. But if I did that all, like it started working for me. And then also, Mm-hmm. You know, I had to make sure that I had a, it's, I call it uh, my sabbatical day, mm-hmm. right? So Mondays were my sabbatical day. That mm-hmm. was a day that I wasn't going to do anything besides focus on making sure that I was healthy, mm-hmm. right? Self-care, mm-hmm. making sure that I had the appropriate exercise, appropriate rest, 
you know, whatever it may be, my mental health, everything was fine. So that was my day that I gave to myself to make sure that I was okay. Mm -hmm. And then time management again, what am I doing? How am I, how am I utilizing the time that I do have during the school day to maximize it and then delegating when possible? Like these are like in my classroom, like I did peer grading. We did so many things to like, put the ownership, not just on me giving it to them, but them having ownership over themselves. And it freed me up. So we did peer grading. I did uh, randomized grading. So if I did 20 questions, I would only pick about four or five of those questions because mm-hmm. you know, after a while practicing the material, you know whether or not a student has the concept or not. So mm-hmm. I would do randomized grading. So I wouldn't have to grade all 20 questions. I would just grade five. So it mm-hmm. minimized the amount of time that I spent. So in setting realistic expectations for yourself, Mm-hmm. Like, I know when we come in as beginning teachers, we want to like save the world and we want to like we got this, mm-hmm. you know, this vision of what we want this classroom to be like, mm-hmm. but like scale up to it. It might not happen right away mm-hmm. uh, and focus on what you can control. So like there's um, some I'm, like there are so many not uncontrollables and variables that happen in education that sometimes we got to take a step back and say, OK, mm-hmm. this is what I know about the profession. This is what I can control. And I got to be okay with that. And I got to tag somebody in who can Mm -hmm. do what I can. Right. The policies. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I I got so many things, but. Wow. Yeah. I struggle about resilience. Mm -hmm. But like setting boundaries, (laughs) you know, like that's something that I think everyone could work on. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, if there was something that you do, well, besides setting boundaries and, you know, delegating, is there something that you personally do to, avoid, uh, avoid or prevent burnout. Like when you feel like, Oh, I'm getting a little too tired. I'm getting, I, I'm feeling this burnout coming. Like, is there something that you, you do personally? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I, number one, I take time to celebrate my successes. Mm-hmm. So like, I do like a gratitude reflection, like, okay, okay I, I know I'm, I'm not feeling it right now. Mm-hmm. But what are some things that I can celebrate about where I am right now? Mm-hmm. Right. So I take a time mm-hmm. to think about all the things that I did right that day, all mm-hmm. the things that I may have impacted. And like I kind of try to counter the negative thoughts. So we all have like mm-hmm. these sages and sabotar, sa- saboteurs in our mind. Mm-hmm. Saboteurs is like, you're not enough. You can't do it. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, that's like, right. That's like the right, right. side. Of our brain. Yes. And the left side of our brain it says, you know what? You can do this. You're built for this. You're made for this. You can't give up now. And mm-hmm. so I try to feed the sage part of my mind that says, you know what? I'm going to celebrate where I am right now. And then mm-hmm. the second thing I do, I tag somebody else in. Like if I have a mentor and I have mm-hmm. like a, a person on my team, I'm saying, hey, look, today I'm not feeling it. I'm, I'm stressed out. I have a lot on my plate. Do you have an assignment that I can modify mm-hmm. or do you mind helping me grade papers or do you mind showing me a strategy that can help navigate, you know, mm-hmm. student behavior or I ask like I'll just tag somebody in mm-hmm. you know, to, to help me along the journey. Because I believe and I, I have a strong conviction with this. Mm-hmm. I believe that success on any level mm-hmm. is preceded by supports on many levels. Gosh, all these, all these amazing things. I'm going to be writing all of these things down. Okay, would you repeat that for us one more time? Uh, success on any level 
uh-huh. it's preceded by supports on many levels. Support. Okay. So it's, it's once again, going back to community, having that one person that you can go to in your community, building that community, once again, is so important. Mm-hmm. Wow. I know in, uh, I want to say episode four, when we had, you know, Stephanie and L'Oreal, Happily yeah, Ever yeah. Elementary. Yeah. So yes. one of the advice that they gave us was find that person at your school or on your team, find that one person that you can go to no matter what. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like what you said, you know, have a colleague that you can go to and, vers- and vice versa too. Like be there for someone, be that person that someone can come to, to say, Hey, Richard, like, Hey, Nancy, I need help today. Right. Yeah. So being that support for someone. Absolutely. I, th- I think like it's interesting to talk about, like find that colleague in your building, but mm-hmm. there are some people and some teachers who may even be listening to this podcast who's mm-hmm. just like, my whole school culture is like negative. Right. Mm, so sad. Yeah. The copy room is just negative. Mm, toxic. I, mm-hmm. like, I can't find that person. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like a cast out. I feel like I'm isolated. There are some teachers mm-hmm. who are like that in those buildings. And what I would say to them mm-hmm. is go to conferences. Mm-hmm. Go to spaces where there are other teachers who are just as passionate as you to yes. give you so that mm-hmm. you because if you can't find it in your building, um, mm-hmm. you can find it at a conference that celebrates teaching and elevates the profession. Yes. Uh-huh. And, and contrary to popular belief to popular belief, if just because you're not in the right school environment mm-hmm. doesn't mean you're a bad teacher. And mm-hmm. so if mm-hmm. you need to go to a school environment, mm-hmm that is best suitable for you mm-hmm. and do that. I much to rather, find the right fit. Yeah. I'd much rather mm-hmm. have a teacher stay in the profession and mm-hmm. go to school that works for them mm-hmm. than the teacher lead the profession because the student, because of a school that didn't work for them. Right. I know so many teachers that were so miserable uh, where they were and they were going to leave education altogether and they just gave it another try and moved districts. You know, like they gave up their their tenure and moved districts, moved to a new school, started fresh and are loving teaching again. So I think it's just a matter of finding the right fit. And I love and I love how you said, go to these conferences and, and, and meet different people. That's how we met. Right. And we met so many amazing friends who we are friends with, like in real life that we met through conferences. Um, on Instagram, TikTok, there, there's a, there are amazing teaching communities, like different pockets of teaching communities, even on social media that understand one another. So, you know, that's one way, you know, like, like you said, if you don't have someone at your school or someone in your building, someone on your team, there's someone out there for you on Instagram or teacher, uh, teacher, yeah, teacher community on social media. That's absolutely true. Okay. So we have this segment on, our podcast called Tag Your It, where the listeners write in a question and um, and me as the host and our special guest answer the question. And our question for today comes from Corey M. And her question was, have you ever felt so burnt out that you considered leaving education? If so, how did you overcome it? So was there ever a time when, because I know you travel a lot too, like, you know, on top of what you do on an everyday basis. Um, and so I know that you are a busy, busy person. Did you ever feel this this burnout where you felt like, like I can't do this anymore? I'm done. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. I think, here's the thing. I think every great teacher, mm-hmm. and I'm putting this, I think every great teacher 
experiences some sort of burnout. Mm-hmm. Because the teaching profession, if you want to do it right, it requires mm-hmm. an immense amount of work. Right. <laughs> like if you want to be a great teacher, mm-hmm. it's, you're going to experience some sort of burnout. And so I'll never forget it. Um, actually, it was the year before I won State Teacher of the Year. Mm-hmm. Um, where I had some of the most challenging classes that I've ever had. Uh, and I mean, like, I inherited students who had deficiencies in their learning. I inherited students who had so many different things going on at home. And I felt like no matter what I did, it wasn't working. Mm. And for me, it, I, I, it, I questioned whether or not I was fit for the job. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. And that led to burnout, knowing that every day that I'm showing up and I'm giving it my all, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily see the results of what I'm doing coming to fruition. Mm-hmm. And there's teachers, and I'm sure you can attest to it, that you might have some students or some moments or some classes where it's like, I'm not making a breakthrough. Right. And for me, that led to burnout. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I did do to combat that was... Mm-hmm. um I went to uh, have my mentors mm-hmm. uh, and I went to different conferences like I shared with you before. And I just continually focused on, you know, how can I sharpen my craft? Mm-hmm. What new strategies are there that I can do? Mm-hmm. And then I real, and then I also learned that, you know, we're just planting the seed. And sometimes we don't see the results of it until later on. Mm-hmm. And then I realized like, OK, who else can I get involved into this process? Like, mm-hmm. can, I, can I get my social worker involved in this? Can I get a therapist involved in this? Can I get guidance counselors involved in this? Can I get school, school personnel? And so then I started, you know what? I didn't take all the burden on myself. Mm-hmm. Being the sole person responsible for whether mm-hmm. or not this class, mm-hmm. this student mm-hmm. succeed. Mm-hmm. I said, you know what? I can't do this in isolation. I have to do this in community. And mm-hmm. so I started you know, reaching out to all of these different personnel, and we put wraparound services around our students, oh, wow. mm-hmm. our classroom. Mm-hmm. And that's when I start to see the transformation happen, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. that's what actually helped refuel me knowing that there's other people in this fight who may have expertise that I don't. And it doesn't make me mm-hmm. a bad teacher. It makes me a good teacher because I recognize where I need help. Mm-hmm. So that was a moment in, in my mm-hmm. educational journey where I felt burnout. And that's kind of how I handled the situation. Right. And then the following year, you won state teacher of the, the year. The I mean, just a small honor. <laughs> in the following year, I won yeah. state teacher of the year out of right. 55,000 teachers across the state. I was considered mm-hmm. one of the best. And I say that humbly because there are so many great teachers in the in the world and across the state. Mm. And that in itself came with a whole bunch of challenges because then everybody wanted to come into my classroom and observe me. Watch you, right. (laughs) Everyone wanted to speak everywhere. And so, you know, I think all throughout our journey of education, we will be tested. We will have, uh, we will experience some sort of fatigue and and burnout, but it's how we handle it and who we have around us that will help Mm -hmm. us navigate through it. Oh, thank you. Now, Okay, so going back to like teacher burnout and teacher shortage, like like we said, we don't have the solution. We don't have the perfect answer to how 
perfect answer as to like how to how to prevent it or what we can do to not burn out. But I like the fact that we we are talking about this. We are discussing it, that we are going to continue to have these conversations about what we can do to support one another to prevent the burnout. Right. So um, I hope to have you on the show again. And, you know, like we talk all the time. I would love to hear, you know, more tips and ideas on and what we can do to encourage one another and, you know, encourage other teachers too. But wow, thank you so much. I, I love, I always love your stories. And I know our listeners are going to be really touched and inspired by what you shared with us today. So thank you so much, Dr. Warren. Thank you for uh, having me. Thank you so much. Tackling the teacher shortage problem and preventing teacher burnout requires a multifaceted approach. By improving working conditions, attracting more individuals to the teaching profession, and addressing the root causes of burnout, we can create a more sustainable and fulfilling environment for teachers nationwide. Thank you for joining us for the 10th episode of the Schoolyard Podcast. Remember to pack your curiosity and meet us back in the schoolyard for our next episode. Tag, you're it. Now it's your turn to write in with a question, which we will answer here on the Schoolyard Podcast for our segment called Tag, You're It. Tag us on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, or Twitter at School Specialty and hashtag Schoolyard Tag, You're It with a question that you want answered. One question will be selected per episode to be answered by our featured guest and myself. And if your question is chosen to be answered on the podcast, we'll send you a very special Schoolyard Podcast t-shirt. Class dismissed.